If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. And as we've talked about many times uh, on Sunday mornings, we talk about how faith is the foundation of our lives. Faith is the foundation for all that we do, how we approach life, how we respond to it when things come our way, good or bad. Faith matters. If you have a strong faith, you're going to respond differently to a situation than you would some, than someone who, has, who lacks the faith. People are going to respond differently based on the faith they have in God. We see that in our society. People who believe in God are going to respond to a situation different than those who believe that God does not exist. When they believe it should be this way or that way, people of faith have a specific way to respond. And ultimately, we know, according to God's Word, that faith is necessary if we are to please God. The very first line in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him, Him being God. We need to live our lives with faith in God, in Jesus, and His salvation, and we need to live our lives in faith in the work of the Holy Spirit living within all of us who are Christians. But what happens when we do not have faith? What happens when we have faith, but it's lacking? Let's face it. There's probably been times in a lot of our lives where our faith has lacked. A certain situation caused our faith to drop, or we, 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 we put more time into doing things our own way instead of trusting in the sovereignty of God that He is in control. Maybe there are times where we, we spent a lot of time trying to do things in our own timing than to trust in God's timing. As Christians, we must be mindful of our faith and trust in the power of God to develop it. Otherwise, we might find ourselves in the same place that Saul and the people of Israel have found themselves here in chapter 13 today. Just to catch us up, to make sure we're all on the same page... So far, what we've seen is there have been people in Israel who have called for a king. We need a king, Samuel. They have rejected God as their king, and they said, we need a king of our own. And Samuel warned them. He said, the king you're looking for is not the king you're going to get. You want a king that's going to watch over you, protect you, and fight your battles for you? This king's not going to do that. He's going to put you in war. He's going to take your best stuff. He's going to take your best crops, your best servants. He's going to take everything for himself. You don't want a king. That you're, the king you're asked for is not what you're going to get. But they still insisted. We want a king. We want that king. So God obliges. He appoints Saul to be king. And so Samuel proceeds to tell the people that if, if the people of God and Saul will follow God's will, that they will put their faith in, G in God in this moment, then they're going to do well. But if they do not put their faith in God and they do things on their own, then it, he said to them, the hand of the Lord will be against you. So after that, there's been two years of Saul as king. And after this two years, Saul then calls 3,000 men to fight against the Philistines. That's their present enemy. 
2,000 of the soldiers went with Saul, and another 1,000 went with Jonathan, his son. Now, Jonathan went into battle, and he won. And so Saul brags to the Hebrew people of the victory. He says, look at what we did. Look at what we accomplished. Look what I did as your king. We, we have won the victory. Well, at this point, the Bible says in, in verse 4 of chapter 13 that Israel became a stench to the Philistines. And what do you do with any stench? What bad odor? What do you do with it? You eliminate. So now the Philistines want to eliminate the people of Israel. They could not stand the Israelites, and they must be eliminated. And so now we see in God's word where we're going to pick up in verse 5 that the Philistines are going to build up their army to fight the Israelites. And we're going to see how Saul and his people respond to that preparation by the Philistines. And what it's going to tell us is all we need to know about their faith. So let's go ahead and read 1 Samuel chapter 13 starting in verse 5. It says this, and the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth Haven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble for the people were hard pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and holes and rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Verse 8, And he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished the offering, offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed, and the Philistines had mustered at Mishmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which you commanded, he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel rose and went to Gilgal. The rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. They went up to Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory for this day. God, we thank you for your word. And as we look to your word, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts now. God, that the words that come out from me, God, would be your words. And that, God, we would be encouraged. We would be convicted. And that, God, we would be ready to leave this place to go share the good news of the gospel so that others will come to faith in you. God, we thank you for that faith. Help us to see where we stand in our own faith. How can we do better? It's in your son's holy name that I pray. Amen. 
So what we can observe as we read this scripture today is that we see that Saul and his people lacked faith in God. They lacked the, 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 the ability to trust in God for any situation that was coming from them. For them. It is evident through their response how much faith they had in God's plan, His timing, and His execution, which was zero. They had zero faith. And this lack of faith led to three things that we too must be mindful of in our own lives. And so the first thing I want us to see is that a lack of faith leads to fear. Right? I know that's a common phrase, faith over fear, but it is true in this context. A lack of faith leads to fear. Look at verses 5 through 8 again. Verse 5 through 8, it says, The Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand on the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped at Michmash uh, to the east of beth Aven. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. So the Philistines, again, were building up this very large army to go against Israel. And Saul had already prepared 3,000 men to go into battle. But the Philistines, again, they were out to eliminate the Israelites. So their army was 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops. And in fact, it says that there were so many of them that they were as much as the sand on the shore. Right? That's just a phrase that says a lot. That is hard to count how many there truly were. And it's believed at this time the Philistines were less than 20 miles from where the Israelites were. So the threat is close, right? The threat is close. They've got a large army, and what did the people do? The Israelites saw this multitude, and they grew in fear. Verse 6 says that they ran into caves and holes and rocks and tombs and cisterns, which cisterns are, are these reservoirs that they would use to collect rainfall, right? They would collect the rainfall for their water. Verse 7 says that there were even some who crossed the fords of the Jordan, which that's just a, a place where it was shallow enough to cross. They were running and hiding. They were avoiding the enemy. They were doing everything they can to protect themselves from the oncoming enemy. And on top of this, Samuel was expected to be there within seven days. Samuel told Saul in chapter 10 of 1 Samuel, he said these words in 1 Samuel 10.8, then go down before me to Gilgal, which is where Saul is, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. So Samuel has already told Saul what he needs to do. You're going to go to Gilgal and you're going to wait for me. And when I come, I'm going to give the offering. I'm going to sacrifice the offerings. But you need to wait seven days. And when you do, I will show you what you are to do. Well, here we are at day seven. And Saul and the people of Israel have grown impatient. They have grown in fear because they believe Samuel is now a no-show. Samuel's not coming. And they notice this and they scatter. And it's clear that the people are fearful of what is potentially coming for them. And at no point does anyone say, hey, maybe we should stop and pray. Maybe we should take a moment just to put our eyes on God and trust in Him for a moment. Instead, they lacked faith 
in God. They lacked faith in His will, and they turned to fear. Samuel has already told them, wait until I come, and I will show you what to do next. Samuel has already told Saul this. And Saul is supposed to relay that message to the people and entrust the people to say, look, we're going to have faith in God. We're going to have faith that God is going to send Samuel. But that is not what happened. Instead, they ran in fear. And the ones who stayed behind, according to verse 7, they trembled. They were scared. But we know the Bible says that God does not give us a spirit of fear. Right? First, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 1.7 says what? For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, fear in this manner that we're talking about does not come from God. There is a fear of God, which means to be reverent in, in awe of God. And God has given us a natural ability to fear in a way that we are to protect ourselves, right? We have natural fears because that's to protect ourselves, which is why these people started running. Because they were trying to protect themselves. But the problem is, is that when God has already told us to wait, and when God has already said, hey, it's going to work out in your favor if you will just hold on, there is no need to fear. Fear should not be in our emotions in that moment. For these people, fear should have never been there. Because God has already said through Samuel, wait. Wait. Too many times throughout the Scriptures we see the people of God respond out of fear. Think about the Hebrew people trying to get to the promised land. They they sent the spies the first time. And they saw the people in the city and it grew fear within them. And they came back to Moses and the people and they expressed that fear. And what happened? They all began to fear. They didn't trust that God said, hey, I'm going to give you this land. And if God says, I'm going to give it to you, he's going to give it to you. They were supposed to come back and say, look, we trust God. Let's go take the land. But instead, they feared. Saul knew God would provide the path as long as Saul and the people were faithful to him. Samuel has already told him that. But that's not how it went down. Fear overcame the people because their faith was lacking. So for us, how many of you today are fearful of the unknown future, but you've yet to go to God in prayer for it? How many of you are fearful of a decision that you're going to have to make here shortly, but yet you have yet to go to God in prayer? Are you fearful because you haven't prayed about it? Are you fearful because you haven't sought out the Lord's wisdom in it? My question is, if you say you're a person of faith, where is it? Where is your faith? Do you trust God? And if you say yes, I'm simply going to tell you, start acting like it. Start acting like, you're, like, like, like God's going to take care of you. That you, you say you're a person of faith, show it. Go to God in prayer and leave it to Him. That's the hard part. It's like sometimes we can go to prayer because we, we know we're supposed to pray to God, but sometimes it's hard just to leave it with them. Because it's like, okay, God, I'm taking this garbage to you. I'm taking this baggage to you. I'm going to give this to situation to you. But God, you know what? Let me just have it back. That's not faith. Faith is saying, God, here it is. I'm going to trust you. 
And I'm going to walk away knowing you've got it. Not fearful of what is to come that we cannot see. And we need to make sure we are not fearful. Because if we are fearful, it leads us to do foolish things. That's my second point. A lack of faith not only leads to fear, but a lack of faith leads to foolishness. Look at verses 9 through 13. Verse 9 says, So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me in the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattering from me, that you did not come within the days appointed, and the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. Stop there. Seeing these people, these men flee and hiding out of fear, these remaining men trembling in fear, Saul then decides, I'm going to take it upon myself to offer the burnt offering. He needed this burnt offering to take place because he believes that this is what's going to give him favor with God, which will lead to victory in this war that is about to happen. Let me tell you what that sounds like. That sounds like a superstition. Right? We know what a superstition is, right? I've got to do this in order for this other thing to happen, right? Or I've got to avoid this situation if I want this to happen, right? Like we know the, 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 the easy superstitions, like, right, don't walk under a ladder, don't break a mirror, or black cat crosses the street, put an X on your window kind of thing. Like, y'all, y'all know the old superstitions people would have. But, I, you know, if you've ever been in sports and you've been around athletes and coaches, there's no greater superstitions than what's in a locker room on a, uh, for a ball game, right? Players are going to put on their jerseys in the same order they always have. They're going to wear the same socks, the same this, the same that. It's going to be specific, right? I even knew a coach on Thursday practices before a ball game. He's going to practice kickoff. And they line up, they kick the ball, everybody runs down the field. Well, what's left is the kicking team. And only the coach was allowed to pick up the kicking tee and throw it to the other end. I've watched him call people off because somebody's going to be like, oh, let me do it for you, coach. Like, no, no. Coach is going to throw it because that was a superstition, right? This happens a lot. And, and it's not to offend anybody, but I'm going to say this. Superstitions are foolish and some examples very unbiblical. I'll explain why. Some people do superstitions as if that one action is going to dictate a whole outcome. As if you're the one in control of it. But if you believe God is sovereign, meaning he's in control, then how can you believe in a superstition? Alright? We need to understand biblically why superstitions are not what we think they are. And why we shouldn't fall into those traps. Saul believed that this offering is what was going to give him victory. What would give Saul victory is not the offering. The victory Saul needed was found in his faith in God. Because what did Samuel say? 
You've got to put your faith in God. And you've got to follow God's will. If you'll do that, you will be successful. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. The people scattered because they thought Samuel wasn't coming. Saul gave the offering because he thought Samuel was not coming. But what was convenient about all this is after the offering was given, what happened? Samuel showed up. Samuel walked in right after it. This adds to the foolishness because what happened after that? Saul, Saul, Samuel, and what happened? He went to Samuel. He said, Samuel, look at what I did. Look, I took it upon myself to offer the offering. I'm going to be a hero here. Samuel, you, you didn't show up. My people are scared. I had to do something as king, so therefore I took it upon myself to offer the offering, Samuel. And in the most deflating statement that anybody can give after that, what did Samuel say? You have done foolishly. Saul, chest stuck out, I'm the hero. And Samuel goes, you did that foolishly. Saul didn't have faith to trust in God's timing. He did not have faith to wait as he was instructed to do. Saul took matters into his own hands and did a foolish thing. He sinned against God. And even more foolish, he did not repent of that sin. He justified his actions. Right? Verse 12. Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord, so I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. This is his justification for doing what he did. This sin is found in his unbelief, his lack of faith. And we find ourselves in sin many times because we try to take matters into our own hands. We try to do things our way, how we think they should be. And what ends up happening? We foolishly fall into sin. We try to solve all the world's problems and even our own problems, but never turn to God and pray and rest in his providence. We need to rest in God's providence, church, and in His timing so as to not do things that are foolish. In Psalm chapter 37, verse 7, God says these things, Be still before the Lord. It's written, be still before the Lord, which means to rest before the Lord. It says, wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourselves over the one who is prosperous in His ways, over the man who carries out evil devices. Saul and his people were so consumed by the Philistines that their eyes were not on God. And therefore they could not rest in God. They could not wait for God. The psalm says, wait patiently for God. Don't worry about the evil ones. Don't worry about the world around you. Don't worry about all the enemies trying to do against you. Wait patiently for God. Don't do something foolish. Don't do something sinful that you might regret. Wait patiently for God. Maybe that's you today. You, you, you want to wait, but you haven't been able to. And it's led you to do foolish things. It's led you to sin against God. And here's the thing. When we fear... It leads us to do foolish things. But not only that, when we try to take matters into our own hands, it leads us not only to do foolish things, but that foolish thing is going to lead to failure. Last point. Lack of faith leads to failure. It leads to fear, it leads to foolishness, and it leads to failure. Look at verses 13 and 14. 
Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, with which you commanded, he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept, the Lord, kept what the Lord commanded you. If Saul would have kept the commands from God, if he would have waited, if he would have trusted in God's timing, Saul said, Samuel says, Saul, your kingdom would have been forever. Your kingdom would have reigned forever over Israel. You would have been a successful king. But as we know instead, Saul's legacy was a legacy of failure. Right? Because of Saul's lack of faith, God would then appoint a new king, a man after his own heart, which we know to be David. But Saul lacked faith, and it would continue, and it would cause him to go deeper into darkness. And, and, and as we continue to read 1 Samuel, we see how it leads to failure as king. The Bible is clear. Faith is where you will find success. Go back to Hebrews eleven six. the whole verse this time. We already saw the failure, right? And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith, you're going to find failure, right? That's what that first part says. You're not going to be finding success without faith. So then it says what? For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. The reward is the success. Those who believe in God, who have faith in God, will find success. What is this reward that Hebrews eleven six 6 is talking about? Ultimately, this reward is the everlasting life in heaven before our holy God. This is what we're running towards as people of faith. We have faith in what God has done. We have faith that Jesus Christ gave up His life for us as a sacrifice for our sins. We have faith that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And because of this faith, we follow His authority as Lord. And the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, if we do that, we will be saved. Salvation does not come when we take things into our own hands. You will not find salvation under your own effort. You cannot earn salvation. It's a lack of faith to try and earn your salvation. It's a lack of faith to say we're good enough to get to heaven on our own merit. Anybody that tells you they're good enough, they don't got faith. They don't have it. Because they don't understand what Jesus did. True believers that have faith in Jesus understand that Jesus Christ is the only way, He is the only truth, He is the only life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. It's not by our own efforts. Those who lack faith will find failure. And that failure is eternal death and hell. Lack of faith or unbelief is a sin because Jesus told us to believe in Him. John 14.1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. Jesus told us this. A lack of faith. Unbelief is a sin because we're supposed to believe. We're supposed to have faith. To not believe is a sin, but we're all guilty of sin. Even for those of us who believe in Jesus, we're all guilty of sin. 
right? Whether, whether it's that unbelief or just a sin in general that has, ba- that has bound us to the road to hell. But praise God, our belief in Jesus as Savior and Lord has freed us from that bondage. We are no longer bound uh, to hell, but we've been given life and on the road to heaven. That is our reward. That is our success because of Jesus Christ. But those who do not believe will stay on the road to hell and face God's unwavering judgment. And while the world may call their life a success because they make good money or they stayed out of jail or they got to do everything they dreamed of in life, the end result will prove that their life was a failure. Why? Because of their unbelief that led them straight to hell. You will not find success on the road to hell. It's a failure that leads to hell. God did not create you to live a life that would lead to hell, but you put yourself there by your own sin. God in His grace and mercy provided a way out, and it is faith in Jesus Christ that will save you. And listen to me today, you can be saved today. If you recognize today that you have never put your faith in Jesus, if you never walked a life of faith, you can do that today. You can be saved today. You don't have to continue to live a life of unbelief. You don't have to continue to live a life that lacks faith. You can put your faith in Jesus and be given a new life bound for heaven. You can be given a new life with purpose and meaning because in the end, you're going to find success. It all comes from faith. Faith in the one who has saved us. Are you struggling in your faith today? Do you even have faith? Even as Christians, we must be mindful of our faith so that we don't fall into the temptations of this world. We need to be mindful of our faith so that we will do what is right and help others come to that faith in Jesus as well. Maybe today you're in here and you realize you've been lacking in faith lately. You believe in God. You believe in Jesus. But you haven't really been living a life of faith. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and repent for that lack of faith. Maybe today you just need to come to this altar and and ask God for strength in your faith. God, I believe in you. I trust in you. But God, this situation is ever before me and I need strength right now to have faith, to trust in you, God. Maybe that's you. Come to this altar and ask for that as well. Maybe today you just need rest. You're in a difficult season of life. And you believe in God and trust in God. But it's hard. It's a difficult situation. And you just need to rest like the psalm said. Maybe today you come to this altar and seek that as well. Maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus for the first time. You recognize today, Pastor, I I haven't been living a life of faith. I haven't lived a life of belief. But I do now. I believe, Pastor. I believe in Jesus. I have faith in Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'll be right here. And you can take, we'll pray, we'll talk about it, and you can receive salvation today. You can get off this road that leads to hell. You can get off this road of bondage, and you can turn to a life that's everlasting, that is full of success and rewards. Not here on earth, but in heaven.
where everything will be made right. However God is asking you to respond, would you do so today? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you now just giving you the praise and the glory for giving us the ability to have faith, God. So God, I pray today that all of us would have faith in your son Jesus and what he did for us, that we have faith that you sent your son, as John 3.16 says, so that we could have eternal life. God, I pray now that, uh, God, as you're working on our hearts, help us to respond faithfully, whether it's coming to this altar and praying for the various needs, God, or it's singing a song of praise for what you've done, or God, accepting the salvation today. God, however you're asking us to respond, will you help us to be faithful to it? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for faith. We thank you, God, of what it brings to our lives, which is ultimately you. So, God, be with us now. It's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.